0: What are the answers to some of life's most important questions? Actually, you can't avoid answering these questions because you already do. It happens simply by how you have chosen to structure your priorities, spend your money, and use your time. Tune in as we interview pastors and leaders throughout the Valley discussing the must-answer questions on The Form Show. Welcome to The Forum Show. Mark Lucas here, Faith Talk 1360. What an amazing joy it is week in and week out to have these conversations with you, the beautiful listening audience of Faith Talk, the audience of our podcast world. We appreciate these conversations, and I promise you this. These are conversations that will change the trajectory of your life. If you really stop and ponder and really consider what we're talking about and then do some self-reflection, I promise you, These conversations will be catalytic. Today on the show, I cannot wait. I'm elated to have this conversation because this conversation is around success and it's around happiness. It's words that we throw out all the time in our vernacular. But a lot of times, if we're really honest with ourselves, we don't know how to cultivate success or happiness. And a lot of times we reach that mountaintop experience of what we think will define success, what we think will actually allow us to achieve success, and we feel hollow. We feel empty. I know I've been there. And today on the show, I sit down with one of the most successful business minds of the 21st century, Tom Lewis. Today on the show, we will discuss how you as the beautiful listening audience can build a life on a solid ground, achieving life success and not just career success. His book, Solid Ground, will change the trajectory of your life. I really encourage you to go out and get this book. I have worked my way through it. I'm about 150 pages in. Tom, I'm enjoying this book so much. Thanks so much, Tom Lewis, for being my guest today on the show.
1: Well, hey, Mark, it's great to be here and nice to uh, have a chance to talk to your audience.
0: Well, I appreciate you being here. Share a little bit why you wrote the book and some things about it.
1: Yeah, well, um, you know, I've been a student of success and happiness, I'd say, my whole life. Uh, I've just—those concepts have always uh, appealed to me, and certainly the success part came first. But um, I started reading books when I started college, and the first one I read was As a Man Thinketh, and it started off— It gave me one big concept that was foundational, and that is what what begins, everything begins in the mind. It's how you think, and your thoughts lead to actions, and your actions lead to habits, and your habits lead to circumstances and and destiny. So it all begins in the mind, and your mind is like a garden. You cultivate it, and you weed out the bad things, and you cultivate the good things. And I got that message when I was about 22, and it was written by James Allen as a man thinketh. So I started thinking. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, and then I, uh, the next uh, success book I read was by Dale Carnegie on how to win friends and influence people. And I mentioned that in the book, and it was, I was in my mid-20s, and they told me that I needed to be uh, more persuasive. And so I, I took a Dale Carnegie course, and they introduced me to this book. And in that book, there were 12 lessons for uh, winning friends and influencing people. Some of them were as simple as begin with the end in mind, right? Or use a person's name, or uh, throw down a challenge, you know. And so I thought, wow, these are these are good. <clears throat> and so there were twelve twelve rules for uh, kind of winning in life. And then years later, uh, I read S- Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. Now there were seven more rules to to be successful. Uh the the one I still remember is you know begin with the Indian end of mind. Yeah. yeah. And and but that that was a great book <clears throat> and he was a great thinker. And then more recently Malcolm Gladwell wrote Outliers. And that was the story of success. And for him it was it, he had boiled it down to three things. Um put in the 10,000 hours of work. Um what was uh Good fortune mm-hmm. and uh what was the third one? I can't remember it. Um
0: It'll come to me as well. Yeah.
1: But so he had three rules for, for, for having a success. Oh, talent was the first one. That's right. Ten thousand hours and good fortune. So to him he was throwing in the luck part. You had to be lucky. Maybe living in the being born in the right year or living in the right city or meeting the right person. And then finally, uh Angela Duckworth came out with grit. And mm-hmm. so she boils this complex topic down to just one word, which is kind of part of the... And that really offended me (laughs) because (laughs) understanding success as much as I have my whole life, to try to put it on a bumper sticker, you know, and just create this one word, which is kind of part of what I'll call the pop culture myth, is that it's just one word. It's just grit. And so she really changed the conversation about success, but I think in, in the wrong direction because it's not that simple. And so I went back, and that's kind of when I began working on this book. And uh, I'd always wanted to write a book about it, but I began to put my my principles together and kind of build what I thought was a pyramid, <clears throat> that what it really took. And, you know, Angela Duckworth, I'm sure she's a smart lady. I've never met her, but she's a professor. You know, she's never really worked outside of a university. She's a great thinker, but she's never done it. Okay, so I've done it. And I have I've lived it, and I've st- I started with virtually nothing, and I've created a lot. And so I think my message is, is more relevant and more true. And so, so I kind of came up with my own model for success, and that's what Solid Ground is all about.
0: I love that. Well, walk them through because I know obviously with T.W. Lewis and you have such a beautiful background in the home building industry – You have this beautiful visual that you lay out in solid ground that really talks about constructing and building the house Mm -hmm. and really understand the different layers to be successful and to really build and construct this house. So walk the beautiful listening Mm -hmm. audience through those different steps to really build and construct the house.
1: Well, we built about a house a day, about 300 a year Mm -hmm. uh, for 20 years. And, uh, you know, we really got it got it right at the, in the last 10 years, I think. But the the most, and we didn't have a lot of customer problems, but the customer problems we had that were just the hardest to solve, and most, most of them were impossible to solve, were the, were the houses that had bad foundations. <clears throat> and, you know, where there was some kind of bad soil, and there's a lot of that in Phoenix, when we got into the mountainous areas, and the foundational designs changed over the years, and some were better than others, and so we had some tough problems with foundations, not many, but a few. And they were virtually impossible to solve. And, and the analogy I made was that it created so much pain for the, for the homeowner and for the builder, but mainly for the homeowner because they had to live with it every day. And the cracks in the foundation weren't just – they didn't stay in the foundation. <clears throat> they cracked the walls. They even cracked the roof. I mean, they went through the entire house and made the house virtually unlivable, uh, and, and the owners just hated it. So th- that was the comparison that I had, that, but but it's so much like life, you know, that uh, that it just ha- life has to be built on a solid foundation. And uh, as a home builder, I saw what happens when it's not. And then, as I say in the books, such is life, you know, and then you look around yourself and you know i <clears throat> I go back and look at a lot of my high school friends. I talk about some of it in the book you know uh one guy his name was david Monti, was was a very solid guy he 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 did his homework he went to class he had good habits he ended up going to Yale he was very bright and he was a successful lawyer. I had another friend that did whose decisions weren't that good you know who made bad choices early in life and and um uh, I heard from him not too long ago when he was broke and divorced and asking me for money. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I mean, so it it happens, you know, that you make bad choices in life and uh and so I'm trying to share a message with people about building your life on solid ground and and you can't And when you look around today, um you see so many messages that are so negative or or, or so against the message that I'm telling people in my book you know find your passion live your dream do what you love everything will work out fine be happy uh you know entertain yourself look good you know mm-hmm. uh, don't be good just look good you know <clears throat> uh, I, I get a kick out of these uh, people that, tell, that teach you how to write a resume write your resume you know in other words how to how to mislead people into thinking you're better than you really are you know I never had a resume in my life Okay. and i never and i never didn 't get a job interview that I interviewed for so it 's really about don 't don 't f- make yourself look good be good right so those are just a few thoughts
0: that 's really good well there 's so much to unpack in all that, so I think where i 'd like to maybe start is when we look at the world 's definition of success with internal success to achieve fulfillment there 's some misnomers in the world there 's some unfortunately, some paradigm shifts that we think people need to have to truly understand what is success? How do we define it? How do we achieve it? What is internal success? So just kind of walk the listeners through a little bit of that, Tom.
1: Well, I'm a big believer in definitions, clear definitions, clear words, okay? Uh, That's where you begin. And so you can't really talk about success without having a clear definition of that. And and there's a lot of definitions for it uh but the best one that i've heard and the and my definition that i talk about in solid ground is by earl nightingale and uh earl nightingale uh was a motivational speaker one of the first ones back uh, right after world war 2 i think he was one of he was one of the few survivors of of the uss arizona in pearl harbor mm-hmm. but anyway his definition of success is the Gradual realization of a worthy ideal. Mm. The gradual realization of a worthy ideal. So I talk a lot in the book <clears throat> about worthy ideals. You know, if I say I want to be the highest-paid salesperson in my company, I'm not. Gonna, I wouldn't call that a worthy ideal. If I said I wanted to be the best salesperson in my company, that would be closer. Uh, If I said, uh, you know, if you, so your your goals matter. Your 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 definition matters. Uh, In my case, when I started my home building company T W Lewis, I came up with a great mission statement that was kind of our success statement as a company, and it said T W Lewis Company exists in order to become the best home building organization in America, as measured by product quality, customer satisfaction. profitability so that was our worthy ideal and we put that up on the wall and it was a worthy ideal and my employees were all over it they believed in it they were inspired by it i was inspired by it and that was our north star but you can't have a north star that's not worthy you know you can't say you know i want to be the richest person in my in my neighborhood (laughs) that's not a worthy ideal Mm -hmm. there's a lot of worthy ideals uh there are an unlimited number of them, but it has to be worthy.
0: So how does a listener right now, because I totally agree with that, how, walk them through some best practices to be able to help them understand worthy ideals and <clears throat> how they really gain some clarity in worthy ideals. Do, do values play into that? I mean, there's probably several things that play into that. Yeah. But how do you gain clarity and understanding what are these worthy ideals, yeah. potentially even for my life?
1: Yeah, well, the first thing that comes to mind there is your your core values and your motivating values. You know, what's worthy to me might not be worthy for, to you.
0: And what's the differentiator there? So okay. what's the difference okay. between those two?
1: So core values uh, are the things, kind of the words that resonate the most with you, like honesty, integrity, hard work, reliability, compassion. Mm-hmm. Th- those are what I call your core values. In, in my book, I list a there's an exercise with 100 of those, and you pick your top six. And every time I do that exercise over the last 20 years, I get the same six. Okay, so so I know that, you know, honesty is my number one core value. But that's not what motivates me. What motivates me are my motivating values, and you have to take an assessment for that. And I we offer a free assessment in the book. You can go do that. Mm-hmm. But so um, – My highest core or motivating value is what's what's called utilitarian, which means I I appreciate efficiency. I honor wealth and uh, I kind of have an ego. (laughs) Okay, so so I I like to to be the best, you know, so so my goal was to become the best home building organization. It wasn't to be the biggest. It wasn't to be the, the most profitable necessarily. It was just to be the best, the best organization. And that implied all the other people in it. So I wanted to be, I wanted to have a great organization, but that appealed to me. So that was a worthy ideal to me. So I think it begins with your core values and your motivating values. But then it's also, I want to say biblical because uh, the Bible explains what a good life is about and what, what the, what, what honors God and what's, what's true. And it has to, it has to be that, you know, it can't, uh, it can't be, you know, I want to, I want to build a, the best uh, marijuana production operation in in America. You know, I mean that that right. I'm not sure that would be a that wouldn't be a worthy ideal for me, you know. So I do think it has to have be kind of grounded in 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 your faith and in, in, in the and I'll say the the biblical principles of of what a good person is.
0: I completely agree and I think for me personally and then also for my family, I think it's been so important for us to continually navigate what are the core values that we have, and those core values obviously are attached to Scripture, and there's there's truth behind the core values. So like I was even talking this morning on the way in, dropping off, I have three kids, dropping off my daughters at school. And in the reality of dropping off my high school daughter and also my junior higher, we were talking about my three core values are authenticity, integrity, and responsibility. And I'm always talking to them how important it is for me to breathe out air. That's the acronym that spells. And we talked about authenticity today. And we talked about the importance of what it looks like to be authentic and to not be fake and pretentious. And a lot of times it's easy for us, obviously, to post pictures on social media and to pretend that everything is pretty and perfect. And the importance of being real and being honest First before God and then before our others, the people in our life that we trust, that we can say, you know what? I'm not okay right now, and I need to share that with you. So Mm -hmm. what it does is it really helps me and it helps our family. Values dictate all behavior. So it helps us navigate our true north. It helps us navigate success and happiness. Mm -hmm. It really becomes the barometer for us to be able to live out our life and know the trajectory that we're headed because we have clarity around these core values. And then the motivating values are really important as well to make sure we have clarity there. So I love that, and I would really encourage the listeners to go and to walk through the assessment that you give in the book to gain some clarity. I've done this right now with my small group that meets once a week, Mm -hmm. and they're gaining clarity on their values. Even how we voted It was important for us to be able to know our values, to be able to say, do our values align or what alignment do we have best with the candidates that we're voting for and understanding the importance of that. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate that, Tom.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can't really talk about success without realizing the differences between different people. And we're all unique. We're all special. Uh, We all have different things that are more important or different values I'll say but but that's where it begins but the other thing is success never ends either I mean right. so the, what the definition I gave is the gradual realization of a worthy ideal you can pursue multiple worthy ideals or you can do them in 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 series you know I mean you and and really for achievers and that's that's kind of my audience for for this book solid ground you're you know once you climb one mountain, you need to climb another mountain and then uh and you and that's what that's the joy of life really is pursuing worthy ideals and doing it in a way that that resonates with your talent with your core values with your with your god and uh you know it's a, it's an inspiring way to live
0: yeah it really is and i would even tie into that and add to it in this dimension i would say For me, one of my core values is the ability to constantly be pushing myself to mature and to grow. So this constant discipline, to have a discipline in the areas of spiritual, in the areas of emotional, in the areas of mental discipline, to constantly be pressing into myself to say, you know what, I'm on the mountaintop here. I've achieved this. Now, Mm -hmm. where's the next mountain we're going to go climb? Mm -hmm. And I probably already have some goals in place to be able to send me on that trajectory to go and tackle that next mountain. So there's a lot of bad advice out there given to youth. There's a lot of myths out there, Tom. I know one of the myths that I wanted you to chat about briefly is this, find your passion and follow your dreams. We don't have a lot of time left, but I love this in the book. And I love this when you share your insight on this brother.
1: Well, you know that's what you hear from everyone. Uh, you know, and I've performed over 400 scholarship interviews, an hour long each, one-on-one with high school kids that we've given scholarships to or interviewed for scholarships. And you know, I'll ask, I'll start off asking them an open-ended question like, "So, what do you want to do with your life?" And then they'll, they've been programmed to say, "I'm just going to follow my passion." Well, you know, I get, I get into a, a good discussion about passion, and you know, passion. The word comes from the greek word pathos meaning which means suffering and we've heard about the passion of christ you know the passion for christ or of christ but he 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 so loved his god's children that he was willing to die on the cross for them that's passion okay now um you know enjoying uh ping pong is not a passion uh, i mean <laughs> right. that that's a entertainment you know so i think our young younger generation has been told to follow your passion which is you know, I don't know if you ever really realize what your passion is. You certainly don't know it when you're in high school or college. You're you're lucky if you know it uh, when you're 60 years old. And so it's just a nonsensical, ever-changing thing. You know, I, I like to say when I was in high school, my passion was was co- was football. Mm-hmm. Okay, <clears throat> but I'm I'm five nine. I'm not that fast. I'm you know reasonably coordinated, but I don't have the body or the talent or the speed play football so that was my passion okay so i would have failed miserably had i followed my passion and lived my dream when i was in high school so instead it's follow find your talent and follow that what you're naturally good at with little or no effort work on that build on that improve on that and you will have a chance of realizing your potential if you do that and your talent is kind of not changing. I mean, you're, we all are born with an innate talent. I mean, there's scripture about that, where you know, the collectively our gifts add up to God's purpose for the world. You know, I, I have certain gifts, you have certain gifts, and together we, we, we kind of fulfill everything that's needed. So find what that natural gift is. Work on that that's not going to change when you're 18 or when you're 78. You're going to still have. You're going to. You know, you're going to have some talent, some natural talent. And that's what you you really need to find and build on that, develop that. I use the analogy about Michael Jordan. You know, he had the natural, all the natural talent, but he had to develop it. He had, and he worked harder than anybody, and look what happened. He became the best basketball player ever. So that's just an example of that. But, uh, so passion is silly. Dreams are silly. I mean, we all should have dreams, but, you know, I mean, That's just not good advice.
0: Yeah, that's so well said. And I've been able to truly take that in and know that at the end of the day, our understanding of our talent, those are the things that allow us to truly build upon those things, the 10,000-hour principle, to be able to perfect that, to be able to refine that, to be able to grow and cultivate that, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and know that our, our passions are going to change. Talent is not nearly as flexible. It's not nearly as flexible as our passion. So I love that. And I really appreciate your book, Solid Ground. I would encourage all the listeners to go on Amazon and purchase this book. You've got a forward by Governor Ducey. You've had people speak about the book. The book has really been impactful for me so far. I've already appreciated so many things inside the book, and specifically understanding happiness and success. I think at the end of the day, I always tell people, happiness is not felt, it's formed. And you really talk through how we can form and cultivate happiness and a strategy around that. It's not ethereal, it's not elusive, we're not going to be chasing it throughout the rest of our lives. True happiness inside of us is cultivated and formed in the very character and structure of who we are and understanding the very things that make us up mm-hmm. in the way of our talents, in the way of our values. There's are specific things that really will help send us on the trajectory. And you say in the book, and I agree, if you read this book, you'll look back 10 years from now and thank yourself for reading the book because it is catalytic and it is going to remind people in a powerful way what is success, what is happiness. In the short time we have left, just a few moments, Some final thoughts you have, Tom, in the next minute or so before we send off?
1: Mm. Yeah, well, uh, you talked about happiness, but, you know, I think we have to go back 2,500 years to Aristotle and hear what he had to say, because nobody's really beat what he had to say about happiness since then, except with one possible exception, which I'll mention. But he talked about uh, happiness really being a life of virtue. And I think, you know, uh, it is. And so... That's that's a one secret to happiness. But the other one that I want to mention was I read a book uh, years ago from Dennis Prager about se- happiness is a serious problem. And what he what I realized there is that there's we are our own worst enemy when it comes to un- unhappiness. So there's ways we can dial it up or dial it down, and you know think simple things like f- focusing on ourself. we, we become less happy. Focusing on others, we become more happy. So we're responsible for our own happiness, and uh, I, I get into some detail about that in the book.
0: Thank you, Tom. Take care, guys.